We're turning to the book of Acts for our Bible reading now, to Acts chapter 9, and the reading will begin at verse 20, Acts chapter 9 and verse 20 to 31. Begins in chapter 9 and verse 20, immediately he preached, he being Saul, who has become a Christian and will be later known as Paul the Apostle. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Amen. And so reads God's word and shortly Jeremy will come to preach to us. But before that, we shall sing, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, the updated version of a lovely old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.
Thank you, Martin, for leading us. Turning the world upside down is a title we've given uh, to our series of sermons in the Acts of the Apostles uh, that we're pursuing together on Sunday evening, seeking to learn lessons uh, from uh, the early church in the first century uh, for ourselves as a part of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ in uh, our 21st century. Last time, a fortnight ago, we were in the beginning of Acts chapter 9, looking together at verses 1 to 19, where Luke gives to us his narrative of Saul's conversion, what we often refer to as his Damascus Road experience. And uh, following on from that, tonight uh, we're in the middle of Acts chapter 9, the passage that Martin has just read in our hearing. Acts chapter 9 from verse 20 uh, to verse uh, 31. Acts 9 verses 20 to 31. And uh, since the beginning of uh, the chapter... In verses 1 and 2, where Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Since the beginning of the chapter, everything has changed. Everything has changed. And I'm calling the message from God's word tonight, you couldn't make it up. Because you read our passage tonight, and you compare and contrast it with what was going on just at the beginning of this very same chapter, and you really couldn't make it up. Such is the work of God by his word and uh, by his spirit, that we should truly be amazed and have hearts full of worship and praise. Tonight's passage is a passage of four sections. So this evening's sermon is a sermon of four points. The Lord helping us one point per section. Number one, there's a new preacher in town. That's verses twenty. To 22. There's a new preacher in town. Of course, we have a new preacher in town, and we're very thankful for him, Martin, our associate pastor. Uh, but this first point isn't, isn't about Martin. Rather, it, it's about Saul, as we find him here in Acts uh, chapter 9. Uh, Saul, uh, the uh, one who was uh, leading and driving the persecution of these early Christians, the persecution of the early church. As we saw last time, he has been uh, converted, he has been uh, baptized, and he has been accepted by the believers uh, there in uh, Damascus. But what happens next? Well, we're not left to guess. We're told exactly what happens next in verse 20, the first verse of tonight's passage. Immediately, Saul preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son 
of God. And there are three key ingredients uh, to that statement. Saul preached the Christ. He preached Jesus. He did so in the synagogues. And uh, he preached that Christ is uh, the Son of God. And each of those ingredients is highly significant. He preached Jesus This Jesus whom he had formerly despised, he now proclaims. And he did so in the synagogues. Let me just remind you again how this chapter began. What had Saul gone to Damascus with the intention of doing in the synagogues? Verses 1 and 2, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He had gone to Damascus in order that he might discourage any and all from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet such is his experience upon the Damascus road that when he gets to Damascus, he goes to the synagogues not to persecute, but to preach the very Jesus whom he had formerly so despised. And to preach that this Jesus is the Son of God. That which he had previously denied, now he affirms. That which he had violently denied, now he passionately affirms. Verse 21 tells us, Then all who heard were amazed. They were amazed. Because they knew who Saul was. And they couldn't believe there is. That Saul with his reputation for being the arch persecutor of the early church. Was now preaching Jesus to any and to all. And Saul made an impact. Verse 22 tells us that. His strength increased. The Jews were confounded. And he proved time and again that Jesus is the Christ. I say to you, you couldn't make it up. And we have an illustration here of what one of our hymns calls Christ's gracious power. I love that phrase. His gracious power. Perhaps at first thought, the idea of grace and the idea of power are not two ideas that we would put in the same phrase. But Christ's power is a gracious power and Christ's grace is a powerful grace. I put it to you that true grace is a powerful thing. And that true power is a gracious thing. And in Christ we see gracious power. The gracious power of Christ in the life of Saul, Paul, the persecutor who would become the apostle. 
and his gracious power through Saul as he preached Christ in touching the hearts and the lives of so many in Damascus and as the Acts unfolds in so many other places too. Christ's gracious power, the Christ we know, the Christ we love, the Christ we serve. He is oh so gracious. He couldn't be more gracious and he is oh so powerful. He couldn't be more powerful. There's a new preacher in town. Number two, the persecutor is now the persecuted. That's verses 23 and 24. The persecutor is now the persecuted. Where the Lord is active, the devil is always busy. We must never forget that. We should always remember that. There's a sense in our midst at the moment, isn't there, that the Lord is active. And so we must always remember and be on our guard that where the Lord is active, the devil is always busy. And so it is here in Damascus, in, in the middle of, of Acts 9. Saul has been converted and he's preaching Jesus and it's all wonderful, but verse 23, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. Again, you note the contrast. The beginning of the chapter, Saul's doing the persecuting back in verses 1 and 2. By the middle of the chapter, Saul's been converted, wonderfully saved, and he's the one now being persecuted. But, beginning of verse 24, we had an important but this morning, didn't we, in Genesis chapter 6. Well, we've got another important but tonight in Acts chapter 9. Verse 24, but their plot became known to Saul. And uh, the Lord, through his people, uh, delivers uh, Saul uh, from uh, uh, the plots of these Jews. And he is uh, given... Uh, to uh, escape uh, down uh, through uh, the wall of verse uh, 25. Notice that the Christ Saul had previously fought against now fights for Saul. The Jews are watching the gates, end of verse 24, night and day. So the disciples let him down uh, through the wall in a basket, verse uh, 25. And again, I put it to you, you couldn't make it up. The one who so opposed the gospel is converted, begins to preach the Jesus for, once, for whom once he had no time and no use. And so now he, is opposed for the gospel. And so Saul here, he reminds us that the gospel will always be opposed. Christians to one degree or another will always 
feel the heat in this world. We know some Christians in some places to a greater degree, other Christians in other places to a, to a lesser degree. But faithful, godly Christians living in this fallen, sinful world will always feel the heat. And we shouldn't expect it otherwise. The persecutor is now the persecuted. Number three, that's quite some church membership application. Verses 26 to 30. That's quite some church membership application. Can you imagine a Sunday morning? And myself or Martin or one of the other elders are leading the service. And we come towards the end of the notices and we say, we're delighted to announce that Kim Jong-un, former supreme leader of North Korea, has applied for church membership. If any church members have any questions, please speak with one of the elders. Can you imagine that? It perhaps seems rather far-fetched, but it may not be as far-fetched as it seems because really that, that's the reality that's going on here in verses 26 to 30 of our passage. They may not bear direct comparison, but in one sense... Where the early church was concerned, Saul was the Kim Jong-un of his day. He was the number one persecutor of the early church, just as the supreme leader of North Korea is arguably the number one persecutor of Christians in our day and generation. So as an aside, let's never doubt Christ's gracious power and what the Lord can do if he so pleases. The Lord saved Saul. And now he's come from Damascus. To Jerusalem. And these believers there in Jerusalem. Who well Paul had not long ago been very much on their case. And he's been off to Damascus. And now he's back in Jerusalem. And. He's here, and he wants to join us. Verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, and did not believe that he was a disciple. To use that illustration of the Sunday morning notices... You can imagine various church members, concerned church members, forming an orderly queue uh, to meet with the elders at the end of the service. Exactly how did they feel? We're not, we're not told. Some perhaps it was just surprise. It was just total shock. Or they believed in the power of Christ to save, but Saul converted. That really uh, took their breath away. For some, maybe it was primarily caution. They were naturally cautious people. They were always on their guard and, and watchful. And, uh, and is this for real? Or, or, or is this some kind of a con 
Is Paul saying, playing some game of let's pretend to try and get in among God's people and infiltrate and, and cause havoc? For some, maybe it was disbelief. That although they professed to believe in the saving power of Christ and had experienced it in their own lives, somehow they felt that someone like Saul was beyond the reach of Christ's saving power. We've got another but, verse 27. But Barnabas, Barnabas, he took Saul to the apostles. And Saul gave his a testimony and he narrated to the apostles something of his experience of the Lord on the Damascus road and how the Lord had enabled to, to preach him to preach Christ with power there in Damascus. And the result was that the apostles received him. I like verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem. That was the end result of all of this. He was with them. Coming in and going out. He was with them. They owned him as one of them. And he was with the apostles. He was with the believers there in Jerusalem. Worshipping and fellowshipping and serving with them. He was with them. Coming in and going and again, Saul was preaching. We're told, verse 29, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. And again, he was persecuted, uh, verse 29. He, he disputed against the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, with the result that they attempted to, to kill him. But when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out uh, to Tarsus. Again, I put it to you, you couldn't make it up. Saul, going to the apostles in Jerusalem to apply for church membership. Saul here, he would impress upon us again, we must never limit Christ's power. Christians should be neither gullible nor faithless. Christians do often have a, a reputation for being gullible, for being easily taken in. Sometimes perhaps it's a sign of our insecurity that some, uh, some celebrity uh, may says something vaguely Christian and immediately the church is all over them and we're, we're claiming them for Jesus Christ even though they may not be truly converted. But although we must not be gullible on the one hand, nor must we be faithless on the other and nor must we ever allow ourselves to think that there is anyone who is beyond the reach of Christ's saving power. None is beyond the reach of Christ's saving power. Saul wasn't, and neither is anyone else. And so we should be those who expect the unexpected. And are not uh, surprised when the Lord works in what we might call a surprising ways. That's quite some church membership application. And number four, 
the church just keeps on growing. Verse 31. The church just keeps on growing. This verse 31 is a verse that could easily be missed. In one sense it just connects what's gone before with with what comes next. But it's a verse which is too easy to skate over. A verse which it would be all too easy to undervalue. Verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Isn't that a beautiful picture of early church life? Isn't that what we would want to be a summary of our experience here as a church going forward, having peace and being edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and uh, being uh, multiplied. There's a handful of things there in verse 31, aren't there? They had peace. Again, compare and contrast that with how the chapter opens back in verses 1 and 2. In the opening verses of the chapter, the believers there in Jerusalem seemed to have anything but peace, as Paul was, Saul was ranting a, 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 and raving. But now, verse 31, they had a peace. You couldn't make it up. Not only did they have peace, but secondly, they were edified. Edified. A word that perhaps used to be used by believers in the past more than it is today. It carries with it the sense of being built up or being strengthened. As they shared life together, as they worshipped together, as they served together, as they shared fellowship one with another. So they were built up and they were strengthened. So very different to how things look like they might be earlier in the chapter. Now this church is is thriving. You couldn't make it up. Third ingredient. They walked in the fear of the Lord. The term walk here speaking in terms of their life. Individually and together. They walked, they lived in the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord here, not a fear of dread, but a, a fear of de- delight. Again, I'm reminded of a line in one of our hymns which speaks of how uh, those who fear the Lord shall have nothing else to fear. They walked in the fear of the Lord. You couldn't make it. Fourth ingredient, verse 31. They walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's a striking phrase, isn't it? The comfort of the Holy Spirit. The NIV has, they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, which is not as literal a a translation. Comfort is more literal. But it does capture something of the, the, the sense, something of the emphasis of the original. 
The kind of comfort the Holy Spirit was giving to these believers there in the early church in Jerusalem was a comfort of strong encouragement. It wasn't the kind of comfort that we perhaps sometimes give one another where, you know, we, we, uh, we say to one another, well, it, it's not quite as bad as it seems. Sometimes that's the best we can do for each other, isn't it? But, but that's not the kind of comfort the Holy Spirit is giving here as if to, to tell these believers, well, you know, it's not quite as bad as it seems. It's not just the absence of the negative, but it's the presence of the positive, and it's a strong encouragement. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, a sense of his presence, a sense of his power at work, and a sense of all that they are and of all that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. You couldn't make it up. It's something only the Holy Spirit can give. And last but by no means least, having peace, being edified, walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. That's a word we find a number of times in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, And the danger is uh, that we, we fail to appreciate its significance. Multiplication. You don't have to be very old before you're taught. Multiplication. That's bigger than addition, isn't it? Remember, just at the beginning of this chapter, you could be forgiven for getting the impression that the early church might be in danger of being snuffed out altogether. But here by verse 31, it's growing. And it's not just growing, but it's growing significantly. And it's not just growing significantly, but it's growing rapidly. They're not just experiencing addition. They're experiencing multiplication. We've got, I think, it's 74 church members currently. If by the end of the year... We're at 84, or 94, or 104. We'd be rejoicing, wouldn't we? But that would only be addition. You don't have to be an expert at maths to know that multiplication is more than addition. Multiplication, and we've got at least two maths teachers in the room, so I need to be careful. Thankfully, it was the only subject I was half decent at school, so... At least when it was just arithmetic, the algebra caught me out eventually. But multiplication, that would mean we'd need at least 148 members by the end of the year. The disciples, these early believers, they were multiplied. You read the beginning of Acts 9 and it almost looks like they're doomed. We know they're not because we know God is bigger than that. But you just read what's happening at the beginning of Acts 9 and you think they're about to be snuffed out. And here we are, Acts 9.31, they're multiplied. You couldn't make it up. I've had four points tonight. There's a new preacher in town. The persecutor is now the persecuted. That's quite some church membership application. 
and the church just keeps on growing. But in a sense, there's just one big point tonight. There's one burden to this message this evening. And that is you couldn't make it up. And there are two sides to that. There's the one which has not been our focus this evening. Because negatively, it is true of the devil. We know the devil is on a leash. We know the devil can only do so much. But time and again the devil acts and you couldn't make it up. Such are the things the devil does. In the lives of Christians individually and in the gatherings of God's people in churches. But that's not our focus tonight. Our focus is on the positive. That that which is true to a degree of the devil is true infinitely of the Lord who is on no leash and who has all power and whose power is only and always gracious for his own glory and for the good of his people. You couldn't make it up. Because the Lord has conquered the devil. We know the devil has not been altogether finished yet. But he is a defeated foe. Christ won the victory at Calvary. And the end of the story is Jesus wins. You couldn't make it up. You look back over your own life, Christian brother, sister, this evening. And you think about where once you were. And where but for the grace of God you would be tonight. And yet how kind and merciful God has been to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could turn this into a testimony meeting. And we could each speak of what the Lord has done for, it, uh, done for us. And time and again we would think you couldn't make it up. And we look back over the history of this church. And, uh, 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 and one man with a little family landed in the village 85 years ago this year. And, and God owned. And God used. And God blessed. And you look back. And all those who have been saved. And those who have gone from this place to serve the Lord elsewhere. And all the ups and downs. And we know they've been real ups. And we know they've been real downs. But through it all the Lord has been working. And, and the Lord has been blessing. And time and again we would have to say. You couldn't make it up. And as we look to the future. Whether in our own lives, whether we're excited about the future or somewhat anxious about what the future might hold. As we think about our future as a church and congregation, this sense that the Lord is moving, that things are happening, that are bigger than us. And we don't want to quench that and we don't want to grieve the spirit. We don't just want the Lord to, to bless what we're doing. We want to be effective in what he's doing. Not trying to shape him around us, but allowing ourselves to be shaped around him. And all the time and again, we might be those who have peace, who are edified, who walk in the fear of the Lord, who experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and who are multiplied. 
and that time and again in the coming months and in the coming years we shall have cause to reflect with one another and to say to each other, praise God, you couldn't make it up. Amen. Our closing hymn is Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. This glorious hymn, let's sing it to God's praise. <laughs>